Here we are again with another episode of 212 Podcast. Hello, wherever you are listening. Um, our next guest on the podcast this week is the height of our diverse guests we have on this show. He is an actual Viking, or as close as you can get. He is the owner of what could be regarded as the first major event in Iceland. He is uh, iconic in the scene and is the CEO and one of the owners of Secret Solstice. Please welcome Vikingur Haiva Arneson. How are you and where are you at the moment? Yeah, thank you, Dan. I'm, uh, I'm here in Reykjavik, Iceland, the northernmost capital in the world. Yeah, I'm great. I'm doing great. In, in Iceland itself, how do you create a scene that isn't even there? It's the killer question, but correct me if I'm wrong, but it appears as though it really, isn't, it really is one of the first major festivals in Iceland, um, Secret Solstice. But how do you even create a scene that isn't even there? Well, uh, being a small country, it both has its upsides and its downsides. Uh, of course, the downside is that uh, there's not enough people to fill up every event. But the upside is that getting information around and getting make, making something popular is a lot easier than maybe in some other locations. So, uh, like in my opinion, like I started a radio station when I was 20 and around 20... Uh, I can't remember what age it was when, when, when we um, added two more radio stations to the group. In Iceland? Um, yes, in Iceland, yeah. yes. And one of those stations was actually kind of bringing in underground music and kind of more genres. So, like, in, in my opinion, that kind of revolutionized the whole radio industry like we know it in Iceland. And that kind of opened the doors for festivals like the Secret Solstice. Had you managed events or festivals before? <laughs> well, I actually started uh, managing events when i was 12 but of course that was like events for kids like in, yeah. my, in my in my school in my uh we have a different school system in iceland like i don't know what you call it we have like from uh uh six to yeah from like five to 15 so like when i was in that school in like the 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 later stages of that school then um <clears throat> i started djing and i started like throwing events but well, not only in my school but also like in uh neighborhood community center for like five different schools was the biggest community center in the country. And then also I, I got um, involved in other similar schools. So, um, so yeah, so I've, I've actually been doing events just since I was a kid. The DJing side of stuff, what kind of music were you, were you looking at or is it really kind of a, a real mix of everything? Yeah. So, um, so pretty much when you're in a small country like Iceland, like you, you kind of have to make everybody satisfied. So you had to mix it all in there. It had to be all the different commercial genres, uh, hip hop, R&B, rock, EDM, like all that stuff. I, I always, if I heard a song that was underground and pretty much the description of underground is that people don't know it, but there's like a, if there's a hip hop song that's an underground hip hop song that nobody knows, but I feel like it's good enough to be commercial, then I just threw it in there and a bunch of the music that I threw in there that people didn't know, they just loved it. And that kind of kind of um, was my kind of iconic thing as a DJ. What was your what was your go to track to get everyone on the dance floor? Um, like, for instance, Annie Up with M.O.P. Like yeah. <laughs> that song was 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 one of these underground hits that like nobody played back at the time, like when I was starting to DJ. But when I played it, the people who loved this song they just went bananas and everybody else just kind of followed yeah it's uh it, i think most clubs if uh, especially hip-hop clubs if they played um 
played that, most people would go pretty get pretty loose after that. <laughs> Um, yeah, how did, what was your first first event uh, that you that you managed? Can you remember? Uh, I mean, you spoke about the radio um, side of stuff there, but is there is there first venture into events or festivals that you can remember? Like for grown-ups? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I guess you, trend, you you said there that you you had you'd started at twelve. Uh, so I guess there must have been a crossover. I'm sure there was some illegal drinking at, at some of the <laughs> events that you were running, like under eighteen. But when was the when what was the crossover from from kind of manage, like looking after events for your friends to then yeah events with more structure? So yeah, so it's 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 like this this kind of um, elementary slash junior college, and then from like fifteen to like 15, 16 to 20, it's like kind of like a, like a junior university. And then from 20 to 24, it's the university. So, um, so I, at all these stages, I was, I was throwing parties and some of these schools even called me and said, Hey, Viking, we, uh, we, we're going to have like a beer night or like a party, but we, uh, messed up. Can you help us out? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, when is it? Uh, it's in four hours. I'm like, Oh, shit. Okay, <laughs> no problem. And then I got them the venue. I got them the the bouncers, the the speakers, the and I DJ and like just arrange everything. So like, if we're talking about like for grownups like twenty plus, I actually started DJing downtown when I was eighteen, two years before I was allowed entrance of the clubs. And this is like the hottest clubs in Iceland. Uh, when I was nineteen, I walked into the biggest uh, club venue in Iceland that took 2,300 people, called Broadway, and I asked for a meeting with the owner. And they looked at me like, well, what's this kid doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Let's uh, let's see what he wants. And I walked up to him, uh, full of self-esteem, and I asked him, I told him, yo, um, I have a few ideas that could fill up your club on nights that are dead. And he thought it was really interesting. And uh, this is about like three, four months before the New Year's Eve party. A few months later, he reached out to me and he invited me to come and run the New Year's Eve party, which is the biggest party in Iceland of the whole year. So this is when I'm 19. This is like uh, New Year's Eve. My, my birthday is in March. So New Year's Eve is three months before I'm allowed entry of the club. So I took control of this of this party and this party had been like the main event like the last years. But it started losing kind of popularity like the year before. And I managed to keep it in the same keep it similar like the year before because of course this this was my first year and like everybody knows it takes some time to 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 make some changes and he was so happy with the results so he hired me to be what we call in iceland the chief of party which is pretty much the same thing as a promoter but there's only one person who's the chief of party pretty good title to have on your business card (laughs) yeah it sounds pretty good Sounds, sounds pretty hardcore you must have loved that at 19 having that as your title that must have been good Oh, yeah. Everybody uh, was reaching out. Everybody wanted me to hook them up and everything. So, yeah, it was it was pretty badass. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. So, like, I, I, I was there for, for five years as chief of party. And uh, Broadway was kind of the only club venue in town. There are some sports arenas who could have a bigger capacity. But Broadway was the only place that had, like, this amount of capacity. And they owned the Miss Iceland uh, competition, and they had all kinds of theatrical events and stuff like that. So I was pretty much just running the events that the club itself was running. But then people could also come and rent the venue. And then I was, you know, they had access to me, but then I wasn't really running running the show. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you've managed events in in Iceland, but have you managed events in in other countries? I know that you spent um, several years in the states. What were you doing there? Was was your main the main crux of your events experience? Was that was that predominantly in in Iceland? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the states, but I was I was that was just my childhood. I was just from three to ten. So like I did, I wasn't really started in, in events back then. But uh, yeah, pretty much uh, my, my events have mainly just been in Iceland. But when I have been traveling, uh, of course, I always take my, my music with me and I DJ if I'm on a yacht or in a party or something. I always try and, you know, share, share the joy and happiness with my friends and the people who I'm with. Which makes sense why you've got a festival, because when you're talking about it and talking about taking the music and bringing the joy to the people that you're in, that's kind of why people get into the events industry anyway, isn't it? Yeah, like for me, I've always said that like music has no language, it has no 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 religion, and I've always said that music is my religion. Like if there's a good beat and a nice vibe, people will dance. And music is so powerful that it can easily set the mood. It can some somewhat control your emotions, and a really good DJ can control the crowd either somewhat or completely take full control. I believe that there's nothing more powerful than a room full of people listening to the best music mixed by a great DJ that really knows how to build up the atmosphere and everybody's having the time of their lives. Once an, a DJ experiences this feeling once in their life, they will never stop DJing, at least, at least not willingly. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's almost a drug. Pretty much, yeah. Like that, just, just that, that feeling when you are somewhere and just the atmosphere is just insane. People are going crazy. Everybody's smiling. Like that feeling just gives you so much joy that you just never want to quit. And you, I'm, I'm, I'm right in, um, in saying as well that you, you're actually, you, you, you don't drink as well. So that you get the, bu- you get even more of a buzz from just the people. Yeah. So I've, I've never had alcohol in my life, and I think that kind of happened because both because like, um, I'm really co- close with my parents, and and you know I'm just really honest to them. I didn't want to tell them that I had started drinking when I was young, uh, like everybody else did. Most people here in. <clears throat> In my school, started drinking like at 12, 13, something like that, maybe 11 even. But also because I was just so responsible. I was always taking care of my friends, and I was kind of running the events. I was responsible. So I kind of had to be the sober one who, like, made sure that uh, everything was okay. There were no accidents. People, you know, uh, followed the rules. And, yeah. We've so, we've all got a friend like you in the uh, in the friendship circle. I definitely am not that person for sure. So <laughs> I'm glad you exist for your friendship yeah, but, circle. Uh, yeah, but like uh, the thing is that that I have a I have some sober friends as well. A lot of them used to drink and are now sober. The, the thing is, I think that a lot of people when they start drinking, it's so much fun that they start drinking every single weekend until they just either go to rehab or or just or or or, or get a you know get somebody pregnant or something. But I feel like if you do that, what's going to happen, at least like around me, like people that have been doing that, they stop to know how to enjoy themselves when they're sober. So if they are sober downtown, they're just getting annoyed at all the drunk people and they just want to go home. So I think like the right way to do it is that when you start drinking, that you maybe go out and drink and then you go out like two or three times sober. Then you can go out and drink again. So, So when I say that I'm sober... It doesn't mean that I'm the guy in the corner with the frown, not talking to anybody. I'm always kind of the guy like in the center, socializing with everybody. And most people think that I am drunk just because 
I'm not like shy and, and I'm not, I'm because I'm communicating with everybody. Yeah. So like, it's really important that, that, that if you are in the scene, if you are taking part, that you actually do, if you are sober, that you do participate in conversations, you do socialize with people because then people won't realize that there's a difference between you and them. If they know that you're sober, they might get intimidated and they might kind of keep their distance. But but as long as you take part, people are just going to take you openly and, and just have fun with you. Yeah, that sounds a great way to be. I yeah. guess with the Secret Solstice, you you must have such an array of different cultures that pass through the festival. How do you find that they integrate and how do you find that the integration for that matter within the festival? So I guess the people working within it and also the people that attend. Well... I took over uh, the festival in 2018. Uh, 2019 was my first year at the festival. I've always loved this festival. Like this is the biggest music event in Iceland history, and I've always loved this festival. But I feel like some of the years, artists that were performing, that it kind of needed a little bit more, some 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 bigger artists, but maybe fewer, because I thought there were there, there were too many underground artists that were just reaching out to like smaller mm. groups, which is perfectly fine. But in a country like Iceland, it can be hard. So of course there were, there was like one year when it went, when, when, when there was like Radiohead and there was Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. And of course those are two huge bands and a bunch of other bands. But like now I'm trying to focus on like having like bigger artists, like kind of, kind of more commercial to get in, you know, the numbers. And then we can fill it in with like more underground music. And of course, always the elite from the Icelandic scene. And it's fun, but people think that is kind of weird sometimes. Like I think it was 2017 where Slayer and Bonnie Tyler were on the same stage and people thought it was really weird. Perfect, and there were some I love people, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there were some people aggressive online, like commenting, like going crazy, like some diehard Slayer fans, like, why is Bonnie Tyler with Slayer? This is this is this is crazy. Don't do this. <laughs> and how was it received in in Iceland? Like, with, so you're talking about the Slayer fans that are Icelandic, or or just the Slayer fans in general? Uh, online, especially like the yeah. Icelandic ones, they don't really care because they take what they get. So so pretty much, if this is what 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 is being offered in Iceland over the whole year. It's only so and so many concerts and the size of the artists that are coming vary a lot. So like if you're if you're a diehard rock fan, you'll love it when when a band like Slayer, Radiohead or Foo Fighters come and you're not going to complain, even though somebody who you hate is on the same stage or is performing the day after. So people pretty much kind of rotate around the festival site, which I think is actually just more fun because you, you meet more people. It's outdoors. It's in the. It's in, it's in June. It's like the best weather of the year in Iceland. So like I, I just think that it works in Iceland. Even though it's weird, it still works. And I think that people really enjoy it. Yeah, I was going to say just or maybe you've set the expectation now for because you've done such a great job with with the festival itself. Is there uh, are the Icelandic people, um, are they their expectation is that you do pull in these big uh, these big acts now, like, or, or are they? Do they not expect bigger acts to come to Iceland? I think they've kind of been spoiled by the Secret Solstice Festival. Like before the festival, there was nothing of its kind in Iceland. I think they've, I think they've really been spoiled, like because there's come some really big names. 
like everybody knows in the festival industry, like getting the biggest names is very expensive. Mm. So we don't have a big budget. So because it's expensive to come to Iceland, it's, it's expensive to stay here and, 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 and all that. But it's it's a magical experience. It's really fun. So like, but not everybody can come here for, for that reason. They are expecting some good names. Some people buy a ticket every year just because of the vibe that we got going on. And for me, it's not about who's coming. For me, it's just about the atmosphere that we create. Of course, they expect the big names and we try and pick the right big names that don't cost us too much money and the right mixture so we can please as many groups as possible. But a lot of people kind of like alternative music and they're open for hearing a good rap act, good R&B, good rock. So they might they might even like, you know, a few of the of the of the different genre artists that are performing. It's uh, it must just be a really amazing time to be there for the inception of change as well. You know, having that new set of standards that you that you do have these different bands that are coming uh, there and international bands. Oh yeah, I mean for for me this is the best time of the year. Like 2019, my 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 first year. Then we had Black Eyed Peas, which is one of my all time favorite bands. They actually claimed on stage that it was the best gig that they've ever played. And Robert Plant also, he was also performing that year. Um, he played the Immigrant Song for the first time in 23 years, and he even gave it some tears. How do you, how does that make you feel? Events is like one of those things that you do, you, when you've, when you've created something, you get that opportunity during uh, where you can kind of stand back and look at it and go, oh, wow, look, this is what we've created here. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes me so proud. Like if somebody compliments me and, and, and praises me for, for good work, I mean, of course, it's, it, it's, not, it's not solely me. It's my team. And it's all about putting together the, the perfect team. I've been, um, I've been helping out with the Solstice Festival from the beginning because I, I know the guys who founded the festival. And they reached out to me and, and, and asked me if I could um, take care of, of, of some of their headliners, like be a personal assistant. And so, so I've been like connected to the festival from the beginning. I know that like throughout the years, there have sometimes been some problems. Of course, every year people learn how to work together better and how, how to organize in better ways. So this year, it seemed like everything went so smoothly. Everything was so perfect. There were like no complaints. The government gave us praise. The papers were giving us praise. There was nothing really that 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 happened that you know, especially in comparison with the years before. And it's so important, isn't it? You mentioned there that it's so important to have the media and the government on your side because if you don't, then that's when it becomes fucked. You know, that's when it oh, yeah. really have some oh, yeah. problems. Oh yeah, because I mean, if if they're against you, like you know, the media is so powerful that, especially in a small country like Iceland, it can ruin a festival. And it has done it before to, to other festivals. The government, I mean, you know, they're the ones that give you the license. So without them, you're you're screwed. Mm. But I mean, like, when when everybody's giving you praise, even like the government and, and the media, it just makes you so, so proud, like, of your team, like, of, of, of what they've accomplished. You know, it's, you know, I don't know, it's, 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 it's probably like, like having a kid and being so proud of what what <laughs> of what they've done, you know. No, totally, <laughs> totally. You import uh, a lot of artists to the festival. You have obviously the festival, the local festival scene as well, the lo- local music uh, scene that you bring in as well. Do you have everything on the island, all the resources, or do you need to import a lot? So, for example, in Australia, it, it's it's a struggle sometimes with tight turnarounds to get things quickly. In Iceland, um, 
we're really, really high up there in 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 tech. We're, we're like one of the countries who is like has 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 like world records for like having the most internet users in in the world. We have the the most people using Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and and, and all that stuff. We have a bunch of really really good equipment companies, like sound companies, like really you know high class. But of course, there's always some things that we need to get from abroad. And also the prices here in Iceland are, of course, a lot higher than abroad. Mm. So sometimes, like, for instance, just just getting in like electrical cables for the festival, because, you know, we need like, I think I think two two containers of electrical cables for the for the festival site. So we rent that from, I think, the UK. Also, like there's I know about um, when Guns N' Roses came to Iceland, it was on like the national soccer field. And they were not allowed to have the people go and walk out onto the grass. So they had to import a floor to put on the grass to, like, preserve the grass. And the thing is that this floor just didn't exist in Iceland. Uh, there were some floors, I believe. I'm not sure. I, I don't think that, that all the floors combined in Iceland could fill up that field. But at least if if they could, it was it was not the quality that they wanted to preserve the grass. So they had to import um, a stadium floor from can't remember where it was it was somewhere in 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 northern europe and i mean that that costed a lot of money i mean just the shipping was like i think 100 150,000 yeah it's it does add up when you've got to put those extra parts in in place and um, i guess as an island you do have to kind of be resourceful don't you yeah, definitely. And like a lot of big artists like, you know, Rihanna and, and Justin Timberlake and, and these, these these huge A-list artists, they sometimes have like their own stage and their own lighting that they want to use. And I've heard that they sometimes have like a, a like a double set of everything. And while they're performing in one, one city, like the, the, the trucks are driving to the next city and starting to set up. In Iceland, that means that you got to either fly everything in in plane or by ship. So like we don't really have that option. So, of course, sometimes you have to, you know, import some big screens from, from some other countries because for Ed Sheeran, then he wanted some specific screens and you had to import that in. But um, because we didn't have that in Iceland, but if he was going to do, you know, another concert two days later and wanted to use the same screens, that would not be possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, the yeah. festival itself, so it's not just music is that right I, re- I feel like i remember seeing something about um secret solstice that you know you were having kind of these crazy uh helicopter trips in and there was there was caves involved and there were all these other extra bits that you could do within the festival is that right yeah so because we live in iceland iceland is is there's so much nature that we have here we have the most volcanic we have the most volcanic activity in the whole world in Iceland. Of course, when you live in a country like Iceland and you, and, you know, you, you kind of gotten used to this beautiful landscape, but you don't really kind of realize how amazing it is until you start getting tourists visiting you. So like, of course, when we're getting all these people from abroad, all these, all these festival goers, we kind of have to embrace the nature and, and kind of show them what you know, where we come from, what what we're made out of. So we've had all these side events, these crazy side events that um, it's just one of a kind. Like, I think none of these events have have been done anywhere. Like, so we have like a rave inside of a glacier. There's like a glacier tunnel and there's a rave inside of a glacier. So we take helicopters 
to the glacier and it's very limited it's like only 120 people i think it's around 20 press and then 100 people festival goers and that is like an insane event one of a kind and amazing pictures that you can take there we set up a bar put them put us on speakers and we have world-class djs playing in there then we have had a party inside of a volcano it's not an active volcano like some people would think because it would melt your skin it's an extinct volcano and it's the best still standing volcano remains of a volcano in the world because normally when volcanoes erupt they collapse because the pressure is gone so they collapse they kind of fall into itself but for some reason this one just kind of kept its original form so yeah, so you, so you kind of go down in an elevator into the bottom of the volcano, and we've had some events there. We've had some events in hot springs. We've had some events in lava caves. A lava cave is probably something that has been done in some other countries, but I'm pretty sure that like inside the glacier and inside the volcano is something that that you know people haven't seen before. I've never heard of that before, and I can't imagine how how much uh, legal documents you would have had to create to, to make that happen <laughs> yeah. yeah safety regulations and everything yeah definitely yeah and we also can't have two power two powerful speakers inside the glacier because you don't want the tunnel to collapse over people you know safety yeah. regulations is, is is over everything else yeah I, I can well imagine do you how does it compare to other festivals that you might have been to or that you know of i guess because you're talking about the rave stuff. I, I, I've been to Tomorrowland in, in Belgium, and they do have that rave in a cave. How do you, how does it compare to other festivals? Obviously, your bias and, and yours is the best, but it, you know how does it compare? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been to Tomorrowland three times myself, and I, I love that festival, but it's just a totally different caliber. It's like it's 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 so massive, it's so big, like a small stage there is huge. <laughs> so, but. Um, with Iceland, I mean, what, what I think we have that, that I think that, you know, you can't compare, like, for instance, to Tomorrowland, is, like, we have the nature. Like, you're, you're on this volcanic island. It's, it's, it's a very small island. People are friendly. Um, the venue is just close to the city. So, like, you're walking around in the daytime down the shopping street, the Laugavegur. And um, with mountains, you know, a mountain view around you, you can you can see a glacier if, if the skies are clear. So I think it's mainly like the nature, and it's also like more relaxed. Tomorrowland is more just crazy. It, it the solstice is. can of course get you know pretty pretty crazy crazy atmospheres, but it's just totally different. It's it's, it's more like this this kind of this this feeling that you have like this magical feeling that you're on this volcanic island at a festival, and then you can go to the Blue Lagoon, you can go to side events. You can do all kinds of other things that the uh, country offers. When you're at Tomorrowland, you're kind of stuck there, which is not a bad thing at all. But, you know, you're going there for that festival. You're not going there to explore Belgium. You can do that afterwards or before. But, you know, traffic wise and everything else, it's kind of, you know, you're kind of in a tough spot if you're thinking about that. It's it's nice to hear someone because you can hear it in your voice how passionate you are about it and how like amazing you think the festival is and your the 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 picture you're painting it just it sounds like there's a fest there's not a festival like it in in the world and it's great to hear that you actually enjoy what you're what you're doing and 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 the spot that you're working in yeah definitely like i i've always loved my country i think it's beautiful and I, and i'm and i'm proud of where i'm from but of course like everybody i love traveling and um 
when I go somewhere else, of course, I think those places are beautiful and I'm excited about what I'm what I'm seeing. But like I'm amazed by, you know, when 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 like artists come to Iceland or, or, or other celebrities that, that have been around the world many times. And a lot of them just say, wow, like I'm so relaxed here. Like I've never had this feeling before. This is something like I want to buy a house here. I want to live here. And it makes you really proud because it, it seems like they they get some kind of like energy and kind of like like a reset on being on the country. Like the Black Eyed Peas, they were like watching the sun set up when they walked out of the clubs. Uh, because like in the summertime, the sun never sets. So like the sun kind of like goes down. But then when you think it's going to set, it just turns around and goes back up. So they were like with the suns in their eyes walking out of the clubs and they were just like, wow, this is so beautiful. Yeah, it just feels like that you wouldn't be able to um, experience that uh, anywhere else. Um, how would you describe the Icelandic music scene? So we, we so actually, it's, it's really been blowing up the past few years. Um, like, we've had some really um, good artists that have been, you know, world famous, like Segoros, Björk, uh, Masters and Men, Kaleo. But um, now we actually, uh, the hip-hop scene has been really taking over here in Iceland. Like, now we have a lot of really good hip-hop artists that are, are, are emerging and are, like, like number one in Iceland right now. Um, but, like, again, like I said, Iceland is so small. If a new hip, like, if a hip-hop artist that is, like, fairly known releases a new album, every single song from their album is probably going to hit the top 20 on Spotify in Iceland. So... <laughs> But but the other question is how long is it going to stay there? That's that's maybe kind of the question about like the quality of the music. But the Icelandic music scene is really blowing up. Also, like when whenever I am 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 guiding some some foreign artists myself, if I can, I try and involve some of the up and coming Icelandic artists, connect them together, see if they can do a song together or whatnot. Because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, it's enough for an Icelandic artist to uh, feature on a on a song with another big artist that could that could really take off their career on an international platform. Definitely. What uh, hip hop artists do you uh, do you have at the moment that you that you're seeing? Um, and do they rap in um, Icelandic or do they ever rap in English? Yeah. So so they unfortunately for the international scene, most of them rap in Icelandic. I'm always telling them to rap in English because, in my opinion, as a music lover you know, my whole life, some of this new stuff is actually really, really good. And I'm always telling these guys like, bro, you got to do it in English, man. If you do it in English, I'll send it to, you know, some people I know and see, you know, see what will happen. So we have some really good artists that, 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 are, that are on the top of their game in Iceland, but could really take off on an international scene if they would, you know, do it in English or if they would collab with some artists. But we have we have artists like Flone, Aron Khan, uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, European um, Crowley. We have a bunch of artists, and and Briet, she's amazing. She's a she's a singer. I actually had uh, I was I was taking care of Dan Bilzerian uh, last year, and I brought European um, Crowley to come and perform for him. And afterwards, I asked Dan like, "Hey, uh, what did you think about the music?" And he was like, "Bro, if this was in English, they'd be world famous." And uh, I mean, he's you know. He's in parties all the time, you know, in L.A., Vegas, wherever. So, I mean, you know, and, and he's a good taste in music. So, like, if, if that's his opinion, 
I think that that is something that you know is is, is definitely very serious. So so watch watch this space with the uh, the the Icelandic hip hop um, scene. But I think a lot of these artists they they aren't really thinking international, and they might need like a, a little boost. And I try every every chance I get to kind of help them and, and kind of like a pep talk, telling my like, guys, Iceland is cool, but like you know, for you guys for your career. Uh, you should definitely look at the international scene. Um, I guess there'll be probably hundreds, and you'll be like a kid in a candy shop, really. But who is your who's your dream headliner, dead or alive? You know, is there is there one in your mind? I know that you probably have done quite a few already, but is there is there a dream one that you have? Wow, dead or alive? <laughs> mm. Now you really opened the books. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, this is a really hard question. Let's start with dead. Tupac Shakur. Kurt Cobain and Michael Jackson. I think these three are kind of the top for me in different genres for mm. the ones that are dead. Um, for the ones alive, like if if budget doesn't matter or anything, I mean, of course, there are some really, really good artists. Like Beyonce would be amazing. Uh, Kanye West. They would kind of be like the top. The ones that are kind of maybe <clears throat> maybe in our budget range that I really want to bring on is like Travis Scott, ASAP Rocky. But I mean, I, I, I like alternative music. I, I'm there's there, you know, I, I, I love music from all genres. So like, yeah, I mean, I mean, pretty much, I mean, you two would be also really cool. How have you passed the time during COVID, I guess? And has it, has it affected Iceland? Um, is, is Secret Solstice still going ahead or? So we had to cancel uh, or postpone the 2020 festival, unfortunately. Um, luckily, all of our headliners have accepted to perform next year, assuming that we can go forward with the 2021 festival. But yeah, that was a big blow for, for all our fans. But that was the case with everything in Iceland. All the other festivals, all the other events, everything was cancelled. And I, I myself was going with my girlfriend to um, Coachella for the first time. Oh, so wow. that was a big blow for us. Was, a, was supposed to be a birthday trip for me, but um, I guess we'll have to go next year if it's going to go forward. You, you could be yet again uh, a pioneer in one of the first festivals or first people to put on a festival post-COVID as well. That could be uh, kind of a exactly, good... exactly. But it's also like a, a big chance that you're taking because just advertising the the, the the festival and starting to sell tickets, it's always like a a financial risk. So even though you want to be the first festival to to you know, go forward after COVID, like nobody really knows. A lot of people are talking about you know, um, a lot of people are talking about that a vaccine will emerge around New Year's. I think both the U.S., China, and Russia are all saying something like that. But then you never know if, if vaccines come this early, like if they're really safe. Of course, I'm optimistic, and I really want to believe that we can go forward with the 2021 festival. As soon as you start advertising and selling tickets, it's always it's always a chance you're taking. But um, I mean, it would be a dream because like everybody's really really you know sick of this situation and just wants to get back to their normal life, going to mm. festivals, having fun, you know, doing their work without interference. Yeah, and I really I really have my fingers crossed for you, and hopefully it's it seems like with your setup and cases that that you know Iceland could could be one of those uh, spots where you could really flourish and be one of the, the the first people to put on an event post post covid yeah i've also seen a lot of news articles where 
I think uh, like the people in the UK and Denmark and Sweden, they're kind of looking to Iceland as a travel destination as soon as everything opens. So I think that that can be pretty strong for our economy and also for the festival. Definitely. We're, we're coming to an end of the episode now. I just... Just talking about the various things that, that go into the, the festival and organising, it just it must take up so much of your time. I was just wondering, what do you do when you're not managing the festival? Do you have what kind of things do you like doing? I have a luxury travel company uh, with my girlfriend, and we do um, guiding, like travel guiding, nightlife guiding, personal assistance for celebrities, music videos, movies, commercials, all kinds of stuff. We also rent out uh, luxury accommodation. It's called it's, it's called exclusive Reykjavik, and um, that's kind of how through my guiding that like I kind of got involved in the first case with the Secret Solstice Festival, uh, taking care of some of their artists. I've also been asked to reopen the Iceland Fashion Week after the festival's 12-year absence in the scene, and I'm considering a comeback possibly in like maybe 2023, but that's kind of still. Uh, in talks working yeah in talks yeah, yeah definitely and then of course i have the radio stations today my radio stations are seven three of them in the radio and four of them are in this radio uh, like online radio app uh, setup it's like a 60s 70s 80s 90s flashback music and i do some work with uh, brands influencers musicians uh, and also like now i think with COVID, like one of the big upsides for me is that um, now I can fix up. Me and my girlfriend are fixing up uh, our house that burned down eight years ago. And before the fire, uh, my neighbors were kind of worried because they thought I was building a nightclub. Sometimes <laughs> I wasn't really sure myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, why are there why are there three hundred uh, disco balls being delivered to uh, the back of yeah. things house? <laughs> yeah, and 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 my girlfriend has kind of you know kept me on the ground because you know I can sometimes you know get kind of lost in, in you know crazy ideas. But um, just I, just hearing just... all of that makes me exhausted. <laughs> that makes me want to have a lay down and sleep. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, but I, I just want to build a house where I can greet my clients. You know, make them feel like you know, they're in a home away from home. Uh, we just put up some palm trees in our garden. And according to like what, you know, I hear on the streets, it seems like it's the only palm trees that are outdoors in Iceland. <laughs> that, that, that probably sounds true. Um, yeah. uh, well, I guess look out for, um, for, your, uh, for your, your company that you have with your partner there. What was it called again? Uh, Exclusive Reykjavik. Exclusive Reykjavik. Uh, and everyone just check out um, Secret Solstice and um, like and follow their their socials. Uh, keep an eye out for the festival for next year because they are doing amazing, amazing things and things that you wouldn't expect from, from a festival, um, let alone any bog standard um, event that you'd go to, really doing some really special things. And um, and obviously that is um, testament to you, uh, Viking, and your team and the directors that you've got around you obviously have a really clear direction there. But um, it's been great having you on um, and um, all the best in the future. Yeah, thank you, bro.